everybody. Welcome back to Bright Young Things. Hello, and welcome to our next guest, who we are absolutely thrilled to talk to. Austin has been listening to me talk about this interview all week. He's probably <laughs> sick of it. But hello, Sheila. How are you? Hi. Thank you both so much. I'm well, and I am so happy and excited to be here. I really appreciate you having me, and I'm excited to chat. I'm so We're so excited to have you. <laughs> You're both sweet and wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I wanted to get right off the bat, kind of talk about how I was introduced to your work, which I am like so excited about. This is one of my favorite books of 2021. Oh, it's of extraordinarily funny women, 50 trailblazers of comedy. It's stunning. <laughs> it it perked me up so much. I think it, we were in our, maybe our second lockdown at that point. It's all a blur. Um, but it's amazing. And it like profiles all these different comedians. It's just incredible. What inspired you? Like, I have to know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, thank you so much. I'm going to have you write all of my endorsements for future projects forever and ever. (laughs) Um, This, this was kind of a long, it came out of a long journey with being interested in comedy in general, something that I have, I grew up around just in terms of like my pop culture influences um, and just have always loved it. I always gravitated towards, you know, funny movies and sitcoms and cartoons and like all of that kind of stuff or whatever. So um, I did my PhD work at Northwestern University out in near the Chicago area. And that program um, is focused around theater and performance. And my other concentration was gender studies. And in working on my PhD work, I got more interested in the history of comedy, especially in America, and started learning about the different, you know, sort of movements that have happened, both like in performance as well as writing and all of this stuff. And I ended up finding about all of these interesting women that were performing in vaudeville, which was a style around the turn of the century. Um, but they were kind of obscured and not really talked about broadly unless they were like collected in, you know, a historical book or a book about, you know, performance theory or that kind of thing. Um, and that just got me really interested and excited to think about what, where are these women? What are they doing? Why don't I know about them? Because you can trace the legacy of, of their performance styles and the kind of work they were doing, you know, all the way up to Carol Burnett and Phyllis Diller and all, Tina Fey and all these wonderful women, you know, that we have now. So, so yeah, so I, it started way back, kind of the seeds of it were planted way back when. Um, and then as I sort of went along in my, you know, kind of writing career and stuff, I kept coming back to this. Um, this idea of, of women and, and then watching how our current society, um, our current media was kind of not ta- also not talking about women that were funny. Um, and even people saying like women couldn't be funny or weren't funny. And it's like, <laughs> no, <laughs> what's wrong with you? And well, so uh, started to make a, a long story much shorter. Um, I knew I wanted to work on this kind of material and this kind of topic. And then my agent, um, who's wonderful and tremendous, she sort of put the bug in my ear about like, what if they, what if we did, you know, profiles so that we could, were able to really capture a longer kind of legacy and history and, and, you know, maybe unearth some of the things that make these women so 
unique and strong and interesting and powerful and everything. Um, and so that sort of shifted my mindset because before it was a lot more historically based. I was really interested in like, I want to talk about all the funny women and everything they're doing. <laughs> uh, and so the way the project ultimately unfolded, um, I'm also really proud of to be able to, you know, kind of capture as many as I could. And there are so many that I, you know, just couldn't um, capture in this way and to sort of present them, you know, and they're, they're women that, you know, I'm sure many are very, very familiar with, and then there are many, you know, many that are not. And that, that is really sort of what I wanted to do was really kind of open up the terrain to say, funny women have been among us, you know, forever <laughs> and ever, and will continue to be so. And let's really dig in to think about what makes them so wonderful and what, you know, why they have added so much to entertainment and culture and politics and activism and, you know, all of that. So, so yeah, it was, it was, it was a journey, you know, as, <laughs> as goofy as that sounds, but, but it really was, but it does come out of this, um, you know, kind of fundamental love and appreciation I do have for all things funny, but especially women, because it was so hard to work in this kind of genre. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, even just, even writing to performing and everything, they faced, a lot of obstacles and still do face a lot of obstacles and challenges. So that kind of thing makes me want to, you know, fight, fight for them even harder just to give them visibility and say, let's talk about them and celebrate them and all that good stuff. So. That's incredible. And I think like one of the things too, is that reading through this book, you can tell you had such like a careful and mindful way of trying to introduce people to as many as possible. And what I loved about it is that oftentimes you read, you you pick up something like historically and you get like, you know, an 800 page novel about one person. But this was such a great introduction to so many people I'd never even heard of. And it was like the best way to kind of get a, a perfect introduction where it was like, you know, long enough to captivate you, but like also great to inspire you to kind of research further. And it was Phenomenal. And I'm going to be really, you know, annoying right now and read out a part of your introduction because I thought it summarized it so well, but I loved it. It's you say people seem to fall into two camps. The first that women were not funny. We're not equipped to get humor or be humorous, you know, because of our small brains and delicate sensibilities, or they fall into the other camp claiming malarkey. Nope. And are you out of your damn mind? And it's just like the perfect summary. You go on to introduce it so well. And it's just, you know, you can really tell that like historically you captured all these great things that really set the tone that I feel, you know, introduced things in a way that was so great because it's like you really come to a better understanding. And as someone who didn't really have like a background in, I never really like grew up watching comedy specials or anything like that. And I felt that only during the pandemic was I introduced to like, you know, so many different people. And it was like, I had no idea there was a comedy scene or that people, you know, were fans following them around like that. I had, of course, like known about like Mae West or like, you know, that kind of thing. And it was great, but I didn't really get like the whole culture until I I feel like I read this book and it was phenomenal and it was so great. So I just wanted to thank you because it was 
so well done and I really can't, you know, say it enough. So. Oh, well, thank you again. Thank you so much. That is that it sort of resonates in that way is so gratifying and humbling, you know, because as I said, there it's, it's a vast, vast universe that is expanding like by the minute, thanks to podcasts and TikTok and like all of these amazing, um, you know, platforms and media that women, that all people, but you know, women, especially, like I said, I, um, resonate with, um, that they have to create. And so it's been fantastic to sort of see the democratization of, of that, of those tools, um, to allow different voices to emerge and people can work on any kind of their craft that they want and everything. Um, and, you know, and that is, I was, was trying to kind of open the, open the world up. Um, like I said, to say, this is always, this has been a constant of women working in this, in this genre, in this industry. Um, and there's no reason to like, to not talk about that. You know, there's no reason why that should be, um, like you said, relegated to, you know, one biography or one chapter of, you know, some kind of cultural history or entertainment history and stuff like that. It was also very interesting to me to even like to find out even more about some of the different like pockets of entertainment. So like, for example, the, the, um, the stand-up comedy scene, like through the eighties and stuff for women was like a, such a much different terrain than it is now, than it was in say like the fifties or sixties where women were often working alongside another man. Um, you know, to sort of balance that out to get visibility, but then they're also sort of playing the, you know, the goofy, the goofy girl next to the sort of straight guy and that allowed entry into, you know, into comedy. Um, and then we moved away for that and we had Joan Rivers and so many others, but then, you know, in the eighties, there was, there was so much sexism and misogyny and stand up clubs, um, and stand up rooms and, um, so women like Liz Weinstead and, you know, so many others fought through that. Um, and that to me was also interesting. So there are these cultural pockets of, you know, of history around comedy in general. And, and I liked looking at what was going on with women, you know, in regards to women operating within those areas at those different times. And that itself tells a whole story. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a pretty, it's some, it's an area that's, it's just continues to interest me in, on so many levels, you know, so that, that it, it, um, is something that can interest others is also wonderful to even again, just find out like, well, who is this on this TV show? Or, you know, I never heard of that person like, oh, they have, they're in this movie and watch that movie. And, you know, so it's, that's wonderful. I love hearing that. Great. Yeah, it's just like incredible. And I think too, like, you know, it's so true what you were saying. Like you look at like the experience of like Wanda Sykes, like Amy Poehler, like, you know, Ali Wong, completely different eras and different experiences. And it just opens up so much culturally because I think, you know, we always do come back to what were we laughing at at that time. And it has so much fruitful, like, room to explore because it's like, it, it really does show you what the values were and what was going on historically. And it's like, you know, I was talking to Austin about this another time. And I think we came back to something and we were like, people don't value humor 
or they don't take the time often to dissect what it means. And kind of that's really powerful in itself. And it really does show, you know, how we grow and how things change. But it's just such like a cultural touchstone. Everyone loves to laugh. Like there's no way that, you know, a well done joke is underappreciated. It's just not not often examined for what the groundwork around it means, I guess. <laughs> I'm trying to yeah. untangle it. Here, <laughs> yeah, no, that's the perfect way of saying it. And I'm thinking, right, we don't examine it until we feel like we have to because it struck a nerve. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Like, and you were talking about, I wanted to tie it back to like activism where like so many of the comedians in here were like intrinsically related to things going on around them and fighting for different things but to do it with humor is probably one of the most powerful and effective and like subversive things you could do and it's really like really obvious within this book and it just gave me a whole new appreciation because obviously it takes a long time to write out a book it takes a long time to like do anything like that but it's just captured so well (laughs) and it's like so (laughs) concise and awesome and it's just yeah it, it was really great um, I I think the um, the activism aspect of it is also something that's real fascinating, and I look forward to watching to see what happens in that space um, as these next generations of you know w- funny women kind of move forward, just like to see what it is they will want to do with their voice in relation to that if they choose to do that. Um, you know, I. I'm thinking just even of so many of the, um, I, I participated in the first women's march here in Boston. And, um, so there were so many, um, uh, signs and, um, people that had dressed certain ways and stuff that were very funny, you know, that was very like, we're going to use humor to push this message, even though it might be sarcastic humor or dark humor. There's a lot of dark humor. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but I was struck by that because to me, I was, I gravitate towards that. And I think to myself, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to sort of, um, uh, um, what do you call it? Um, I'm going to connect with your, with your message, me personally in that form that I might over the, like the super angry yelly. And I appreciate the super angry yelly. Absolutely. Um, but just me personal when it's like, when it has that irony twist to it, or like I said, this sort of sarcastic or the dark humor or something, there's something about that that I think, um, can make it more powerful and can maybe penetrate, you know, can reach more because it is sort of served in the form of a, of a joke or something kind of humorous or sly or playful. Um, and I think that's an awesome and a powerful strategy, um, you know, and I also think that women, by virtue of simply showing up in the comedy space, is its own act of subversion and and kind of radicalness, um, because that was something that was already fraught just by like literally being embodied in a space like on a stage or something like that was already had you know fraught connotations with it. So anytime women um, are doing that, I think is sends its own message, which is, which is really wonderful. Um, yeah, that relationship between like comedy and activism, 
I think is really interesting. And um, there's probably like another book in there somewhere, um, you know, for somebody, I don't know, me or somebody else. But yeah, but I, I mean, I feel like I would read that. <laughs> I feel like it could be a playbook for <laughs> like how to take down the pa- the patriarchy, like one giggle at a time or something, you know, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. So good. Yeah, I definitely would read like a coffee table book of just women's marches, like sign, <laughs> like anything. <Right>? Yeah. <laughs> Very funny, and I remember a lot of Handmaid's Tale references during that time. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, yeah, you're sort of like, uh, oh, that's terrible, but you're also kind of like you are. You're sort of smiling, and you're sort of there is there is a dark, a subversive humor to that, um, and I think that's totally okay. You know, I I think we shouldn't be afraid to talk about the things that make us uncomfortable, even when they're served through through humor, you know, that is part of it. I think humor is supposed to disrupt and I think we need to allow for that. Right. Gosh, that's amazing. That's so powerful. I'm still reflecting. <laughs> <on it>. like, <laughs> no, no, like I think too, like Austin can speak to this, but like we were film students and, you know, anytime there was a conversation about like comedy or even during like you know, the production, (laughs) the production code era where things were very subversively written, it was still kind of a poking fun at and maneuvering around societal structures to get what you meant across. And, you know, it just takes so much work to do that well. Mm -hmm. You can tell that intelligence like really seeps through there because a quick wit is unmatched. And as someone who is not like, you know, a very funny person, I just like <laughs> so much. <laughs> well, I just mean like I'm not like, you know, ripping off quips one at a time. <laughs> but it's just, it's so true because you, you do meet people like that and you're just like, wow, like your brain is incredible. Like the way you think about things or, you know, it's just phenomenal and I have such a respect for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I, and I think that's an awesome phrase to to Instagraphic or something, a quick wit is unmatched. Like I want to embroider that on a pillow. I want like, <laughs> cause it's true. And, and I think that's what made men, especially like maybe back in say the turn of the century, but I think consistently is that intimidation factor. Cause all of a sudden it is, it's like intelligence coming through and it's um like a unique person, a sort of savvy and sharp, perspective um and it's also like um somebody really uh, like putting forth their opinion in a way that is that can kind of combines all of those things um and claiming i think a space of knowledge um and i think that was very off-putting for men for a very long time and probably still is in some circles so that intimidation factor you know it, it plays a role into why that women doing funny things tended to kind of disrupt that status quo. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's so much power in that, I think. Yeah. It's like there's, there's power on being in on the joke. Like you you Mm want to be a part of it. And when, you know, certain people are excluded, that's kind of like holding on to power in a way. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's exactly it. And I think um, for you know, for some men, it is like, is the, is, am I the butt of the joke? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that's early, um, Roseanne, um, Bar Arnold, Arnold, 
or whatever, she, Roseanne, going by Roseanne now, <laughs> back in her early stand-up specials, I can remember being youngish and seeing one on, I think it was probably HBO. And I do remember she was pretty caustic around gender stuff, around uh, specifically about men. Mm-hmm. And I do remember um, my dad saying that he did not like that and he did not like her. And I think um, you know, whether you found her, you know, funny or offensive or not or whatever, I think the bigger point is that she was trying to make statements about mm-hmm. the relationships between men and women and, and the way women were often treated by men and things like that. And I think she did so in such a way that, um, I mean, obviously unsettled lots of people and stuff like that, but, um, but yeah, but she, she wasn't afraid to sort of, to put it out in that way, using her brand of humor, um, to do that. And I think there were plenty of men that felt very, you know, very, um, attacked by her, you know, kind of thing. And, um, I don't mean to be like dogging on men, you know, kind of, I'm kind of, I am thinking like more historically of like the, the treatment of, um, of treatment of women in comedy from men from like a longer historic period. I know we have many, 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 many wonderful male advocates and all of this. So I don't want, I don't want to come across as being like I'm, I'm dogging on, you know, men or whatever. So. No, I definitely think like, you're right. Like anytime I've kind of briefly skimmed the top of literature revolving around comedy in like the 80s, it's very much hard to avoid that conversation in general. And again, it comes back to like, I'm sure there was like allies out there and that's not it, but most of the headlines and everything like that, it was kind of like, so-and-so hates men. And it's like, there's one special that was like mean to men and it, it kind of gets watered down. And so it's hard to avoid that conversation because you have to acknowledge that, you know, there was like some clashes going on and that's the truth. Right. So, you know, and I think it's so much better now because, well, hopefully better. I don't want to say so much. I don't know, but it does feel like there's a lot more acknowledgement of, you know, there was a lot of jokes that were sexist. There still are. And, you know, operating within that structure or kind of poking fun at that structure is inevitable. And I think it only leaves room to create, you know, more bonds later on when people can acknowledge that and like work to move past it. And maybe that changes and hopefully it does. But like, I think it's, you know, especially when you're talking about women in comedy, you get that thing of like, oh, the female comedian or like, oh, like the, and then you kind of have to waffle around and explain you know, just a comedian is fine. Or like, if you prefer to be called that, that's fine. But like, there's that whole dance of like, you can tell that there was a time where this was a very big issue and that people are still moving forward and trying to understand how to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I think that that simply comes with education, comes with visibility. It comes with seeing more women like in positions of power as gatekeepers for, um, like networks and for, um, you know, any, anywhere that these, that this genre is happening. And that's why, like I said, it is so fantastic to see how all of our internet tools are changing the playing field. Um, you know, um, I love that, um, Abby Jacobson and Lana Glazer, like they were just doing a web, not just doing, but they were doing a, a web series, like totally like homegrown. This is what they just, they did it and put it up there. And, 
you know, Broad City became this fantastic um, series and then, you know, found like a network home or whatever. But like that to me is like they were really the captains of that and did their thing their way and they just like did it. Um, and it, so I think that when we see more and more instances of that, um, regardless of where, you know, where it all goes, but just the just the visibility of of you know, creative people doing that kind of work. Um, I do, I do think it changes. It changes the whole playing field. I think it starts to change the conversations we have and it starts to make all these other things feel really like retro in an icky way, you know, um, like of like, why wouldn't you want more inclusivity of like so many different voices and perspectives and like, um, you know, from racially to like to gender to sexual identity to religion to I mean just like all of it. Um, and so I like that. I think we're you know we're starting to see that, or we're seeing more of it. I think um, I also too hope the pandemic has been so strange for people in this field. You know, trying because clubs and stuff have been you know, either close completely or open reopening in different ways and everything. And so, you know, I know it's been, it's been difficult in terms of being performing in those kinds of spaces and doing that kind of work and stuff. So, um, so I feel like there's just been a little less visibility, but, um, but yeah, I, yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I'm excited to see sort of how the future of his work grows and, and morphs and changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you a bit about your writing process. You must have found out a lot of interesting things as you were doing your research. Did you find your knowledge base was already pretty well formed about the the topic you were writing on, or did you have to do a lot more research in the field? Um, some of it was pretty formed um, from doing a lot of uh, work in grad school, and um, but that was that was also again like a lot of historical work. Um, like in the 19th century and early 20th century, um, stuff. And I had thought a lot theoretically about, about comedy. Like, um, when you said, um, Sophia about like, we don't take time to sort of like think through, like, why is this so funny or why does this work as, you know, some kind of really powerful commentary and stuff. And I always sort of joke is like the first way to like kill comedy is like to talk about comedy in that. <laughs> sense um I had the opportunity to teach an undergraduate um class on like American comedy at Northwestern for undergrads who were performance majors so this was sort of part of their just their requirement but they all were they were all wonderful but they were all clearly like just get me on stage like I want to I'm a performer you know like this is so nice and um and they were they they were such troopers in terms of the things I wanted them to talk about and think about um, but I know at the end of the day, they were just like, just play us the Saturday Night Live clip. Like, can we, <laughs> can we just not talk about, you know, like the racial stereotype of this, you know, figure in like Yankee America. <laughs> whatever. Like, they're, they're so wonderful in that respect and everything. But so, um, so Austin, to your question, um, I had to do a bit of like balancing out between some of the kind of juicy theory stuff I, I sort of really wanted to you know kind of get in there and then and then the more kind of cultural context but um but within the different researching the women um and within their profiles I 
I was learning more of just more nuances of some of these uh, women that I felt like I knew a lot about. But then when I kind of dug a little deeper, there was things that were very wonderfully surprising. Like I had no idea the extent to which Phyllis Diller worked on her, like on her performance craft on the different ways in which she, she thought deeply about like what she looked like, how she was moving and standing and, um, and, and she was so like rehearsed in that um, sense that is like, it's just brilliant. And I had no idea. I really thought it sort of developed organically and, you know, was much of her like sort of brashness and kind of cheekiness and stuff. But, um, but she was so savvy in, in figuring out like, this is how I'm going to keep audience attention. This is how, you know, sort of like a master craft kind of lesson and stuff. So there were things like that. Um, that was, uh, that was awesome. And, and it did make me feel like I want, I want like an eight volume series on every single woman. <laughs> so like, they're just, they're so, they're so interesting to me, you know? So, so yeah, so there was a bit of a challenge of not going too far down, you know, rabbit holes that, that I would be like, well, I have to, you know, I'm reading about Phyllis Diller for the next six months. I can't do anything else, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that kind of stuff was awesome to find out and, and to play with. It was really wonderful. That sounds like a really interesting process of discovering more of what you thought you knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, I love that. I, I, it made me really kind of think differently about some of the, you know, some of the women and, um, because I thought, well, if I didn't know about this, chances are there are others that didn't. And so instead of, you know, falling back on a lot of things that were probably pretty well known or, you know, oh yeah, I had heard that. Um, it gave me the opportunity to really lift out some of these different, um, more obscure things, um, and let those things speak for what the women were doing and kind of in their sensibilities and approach and stuff like that. That's really amazing. I, I like that a lot. It was, it was really fun to research and to, to sit with, um, sit with these women. And, um, it, yeah, it also made me want to go back through and watch a lot of things you know, <laughs> that I either had in a long time or hadn't ever. Um, and then just also the like, oh, I, I, you know, I wish I could include this person. I wish I could include that person. There's just the, you know, sort of endless kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, that was, it was quite a blast to, to just get to like really immerse in the lives of these women. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what ambitions you had that ones you were like, women you were like, I really want to include this person, mm-hmm. but maybe not super related or were there a lot like that you'd say? Um, that I had wanted to include, but then I just couldn't uh-huh. for whatever reason. Um yeah, I mean, there, I wouldn't say there was like a, a, a ton ton, but in every section, there was probably at least like three or four that maybe the editor and I went back and forth on a little bit. Um, and, and it was ended up a little bit splitting hairs of, you know, like there was no really like great reason to be like this, you know, do or die, you know, or, you know, not. So, um, so that's why like in each section, I included that little like, you know, if you love them, you might like them. And so that was sort of my way of also just trying to like nod through the, you know, there's so many more here um, and they all deserve their own, you know, chapters or books or things like that. Um, 
So yeah, a lot of times too, it, it just, it came down to like thinking through like, you know, well, she was influential, but she didn't start this thing, you know, like this other person really sort of was the pioneer. So I went with her kind of thing, you know, that's what I mean, like sort of splitting hairs, but yeah, they're all wonderful. They're all wonderful, brilliant <laughs> stars in the galaxy. <laughs> That totally reminds me too, again, of your introduction where you totally acknowledge that and you were like, I wish I could be like Oprah and be like, you get an intro, you get one. <laughs> so like fantastic. I, I don't know. I think that's great. And it kind of speaks to the same thing where I feel like a lot of, you know, I read like even like Ali Wong's like um, biography and she was like, I'm opening the door for you and you. And like, I, here's my hand. Like, I'm ready to pull you through. Like, this is such an acknowledgement of that where you read the biography, it's perfect. And then at the end where you're like, oh, like here's some honorable mentions, it totally calls to that. And it really speaks to, you know, what I've seen of the culture specifically for women and non-binary people working in comedy is that there's always like some, like, some acknowledgement of that, whether it be like on their social media, like in their book, at the end of the special they're always saying that like they're holding open the door and they're ready to pull someone else through. And that's really powerful. Like it's a really great practice. I agree. I think it's a wonderful model. And I think that um, as these generations of um, women in comedy, you know, and I say that through like eighties, nineties and up and further, I just think there's a, there's more of a conscientiousness around like we lift while we climb, you know, kind of mindset. And, and I think one of the um, organizations I've been involved with in years past has been the Women in Comedy Festival that happens here in Boston um, in the spring, you know, before the world was uh, off its axis. <laughs> so, um, but the founders of that festival have, from the get-go, they had just a very smart mindset where they said, it's not just about giving women the space to like perform and work on their craft and get, you know, workshopped and, um, and connect with other, even just other comics. But they said, we're really going after industry. We want to, we want industry to come. We want them to be seen in that space. Um, and we want to build connections so that women, like I said, you know, gatekeepers that are sitting in production meetings that are hiring for writing rooms and stuff. Um, we want them to come and, and, um, we want them to know, you know, what the, this generation of talent is doing so that they can jump on that and, you know, and embrace that, um, and, you know, um, promote that in terms of, you know, moving women ahead in the industry. And so I just, I loved that mindset of that they were very conscientious about this is how you build this is how you build like productive community that is, you know, respectful and also like with a, with an eye towards this is how you change cultures. This is how you change the makeup of the writing room. And this is how you change the network executive team. Um, and it starts, it starts on the ground level. And, um, and that I think is also important to, to keep in mind that it's might be a small gesture for you say as like the headliner to sort of give a mention to, you know, somebody who's opened for you or that you happen to catch the end of their um, set. But that's a, that's a, that's an enormous gift, I think. And it's an enormous show of 
of power and solidarity, you know? So I think, and that's where it starts. Um, you know, it's not always just in the, like, you can get this woman hired to run this network. That is wonderful, you know, but it starts with these, you know, in quotes, smaller gestures, but they make big waves. So it's that, you know, ripples make waves kind of thing. And, um, and I, I love that. And I do think that um, more and more women working in this space are sort of tuned into that. And I think they do that in their own way. And it's just, yeah, it's just always wonderful. It makes me so happy to yeah. see. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I I wanted to circle back and, you know, kind of talk about when you were growing up or like whenever you kind of were first introduced to comedy, was there anyone in particular who caught your eye? Like, did anyone kind of inspire you to get really invested in comedy or? Um, I, I think my, my, some of my earliest like eye openers were um, like Madeline Kahn, um, who was in the Mel Brooks movie, Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein. And um, she sort of, she is a sort of a subtle performer, but she steals the scene. And I think I was just, the fact that she was one of the only women in, especially like in Blazing Saddles, and she had an actual role that was funny. And I definitely like keyed into that of like, here's this woman not being wacky, but being like very funny. And she has all the men like around her, you know, sort of like captivated by that funniness. Um, and then the other person very early on was Lucille Ball. Um, mm-hmm. I remember as a kid watching um, just afternoon runs of, of I Love Lucy reruns. Like, um, I mean, they would, there was some network that would do a, like a Lucy block. So it would be like six episodes or something, you know? <laughs> so I would spend like, I was there for the afternoon. I would watch, you know, I've, I've seen the series over and over many times. And um, so she, I think too, was somebody that absolutely, um, she was smart, but she was also silly, um, and beautiful and just like strong in her own way. And, um, yeah, she was, she was somebody I think who just completely blew my mind in terms of what, how funny women could be. And I didn't, at the time being a kid, I didn't know anything about the history of the show or anything. And then later on when I found out that, you know, she had such a hand in shaping, the show down to like, you know, she would choose like what props would go or, you know, or she would like, um, she was, she was very, and she was very savvy in, in terms of like the television medium. Um, so that to me just even impressed me more, right. That she's already doing this, like this comedy, which is so hard to do and do well. And then she's bringing in this sort of like business acumen to it. Um, and really like really running it, Um, you know, so yeah, so she was somebody who I just, I adored and would watch over and over and, um, Gilda Radner, of course, because that sort of like, she was in the mix of when I was watching older Saturday Night Lives and, you know, but I have to say too, like a lot of my love came from the Muppet show and Jim Henson stuff. (laughs) I know it sounds like so goofy, but if you go back and watch any of those episodes, they are really smart and funny and they hold up for the most part. Like some of the jokes and his humor, which was like 
cheeky enough that it was silly for kids and sort of that wink for adults, you know, um, it's right there. It is, it is right there. Um, I found myself going to, um, reruns of the Muppet show during one of the sort of uh, lock lockish downs that we've had, you know, yeah. um, <laughs> being taken away to like, uh, the times of like 19, you know, 81. <laughs> so nice. <laughs> But it was like, it's such a relief, um, I think, to watch that humor in particular, because there's, it's so playful. And there's just so much sort of charm and sweetness to it. And like I said, a little bit of that, you know, sort of like adult overtone. But, um, you know, that's, I think, that's a lot of what I learned early on is how funny, like that sort of funny, silly, playful. Um, I also loved the songs of Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> my brother and I were huge Weird Al fans and couldn't enough of his parodies and we would act them out and do all that you know like silly stuff or whatever but again it was it was just so it was so like sort of joyful and playful you know mm-hmm. and um so I guess those were sort of my earliest of like of you know of interest in humor or see or seeing and then and then it just, you know, mushroomed out as I got older and found Monty Python and laughing and, you know, all of the things or whatever. But, but yeah, those, those early things that was just, yeah, it was just silly and, um, and just like, just very fun, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's totally it. And I feel like too, like kind of what you were saying, calling back to that, like during the beginning of the pandemic, when we all wanted to be taken away and we just wanted to like laugh and have a good time. Like I, my younger brothers are really small and it was like any movie we could find that was funny. That's what we would watch. And it really like, that's what kind of led me to watch even more comedy specials because I was like, that's what I'm looking for. Like the movie is great. Like I love the plot. Excellent. But I just wanted to laugh for like an hour. (laughs) Like It was just, you know, it's really something that you get called towards, especially in times of like stress or like bad news which I think we've encountered a little bit of that (laughs) but you know it's just so powerful and it really changes your whole day and it's you know so true like when you get that introduction to it it's something you crave and it's so you know worthwhile to kind of explore that because there's so many different comedians in my mind I think growing up I kind of just assumed like oh it's like Saturday Night Live And like, you know, I think I was like maybe 10 or 11 and my dad went to like a comedy show and I was like, oh, you can do that. Like, I didn't know that like, they're almost, you know, so powerful that it's like, yes, of course you would go. I don't know why I didn't think of that. And it just opened up a whole different world where I was like, yes, it makes sense that that's what you would do. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. The, the, where it hides or where it shows up is also continues to like to also surprise me and right to be like oh right um and again like like weird out so it's like songs like I also loved um crazy ex-girlfriend Rachel Bloom's um genius and I rewatched that too during (laughs) the bad times (laughs) and it was like oh it was as delicious as I remembered watching it and when the series was on then I was like holy smokes like I mean the lyricism and the, again the cleverness um 
of writing all those songs and the, and then the visuals of performing. And so, and, and like Garfunkel and Oates is another duo um, that do like awesome stuff with music. So like, there's a whole like music, humorous music, comedy and music thing yeah. happening, you know, that's always been happening and that's awesome. And then you think of um funny people that are writing like Samantha Irby and like that, you know, so you, so then like, it's like, you know, in books and it's, yeah. it's so everywhere. Um, and it's, so that's, that's, that's awesome. So it means too, it's like when you, if you, if you're, if you're drawn to it, you can find a home for yourself. If you're like, I really, I want to create and I want to create in this like space. I mean, there's plenty of places. And so it, you're not limited to feeling like, well, I guess I have to be a stand up comic now. Whatever. <laughs> it's like, you know. <laughs> no way you know there's so there's so many ways and that's that's what's wonderful we can deliver our humor in so many different ways and forms and we really need it I absolutely agree with you and um I get on the soapbox of like it's such a mental health issue for me you know it it's a stress reliever it's a connector like when you're laughing with other people it's like one of the most amazing things you know, amazing things ever. And it also, I think help, it does help us process like hard news, hard feelings, you know? And so I, yeah, I think laughter needs to be right up there with like, you know, your vitamin D sun lamp or whatever you need in the winter. Like, yeah, more of that, please, for sure. Mm -hmm. I, it makes me think of one of the, one of my earliest introductions. I don't know if you even watch this Austin, but the show 22 minutes it's a canadian thing where they kind of take all like the news and politics and they like present like funny skits about it so you know they'll talk about something that happened in our house of parliament and they'll just do a full-on comedy sketch for like 22 minutes about it and it's like how i got my news during like 2016 it was too depressing to turn on like real television i had to like listen to Mark Critch, like, say it to me. And I was like, if there isn't a delightful, like, Newfoundland man telling me my news right now, I don't want to hear it. I just don't want to. Well, and for um, uh, us here in America, Sarah Cooper, if you knew about her, with, with her um, her Donald Trump lip syncs. <laughs> yeah. Wow, did they get me through. Like, did they, they really put like such a bow on such a <laughs> bad, bad, you know, dumpster fire of a situation, you know, speaking for myself personally, my own personal beliefs on that. But like that same, that was the same. It was like, I, I could not really deal with the actual situation. And then she would release these, you know, like 30 second, one minute lip, you know, lip syncs of his. And it was just like, it was just a revelation and, and it also just illuminated the, you know, the sort of idiocracy and the buffoonery of it all. But yeah, yeah, abs- absolutely. Like it, it really does sort of, it's the sugar, right? That helps the medicine go down. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. I, and this reminds me too, I can't remember if it was, this is such a funny thing to mistake, but I can't remember if it was Trevor Noah or John Mulaney who's describing Trump's years as uh, someone letting loose like an elephant in like, <laughs> they're like, nobody knows what the elephant is going to do. An elephant has never done this before. The elephant doesn't know what it's going to do. 
And it was one of the funniest things I've ever heard. It's going to bother me that I can't remember. But it was just so, so well done. And it's like, that is the medium that you needed to kind of digest things through afterwards, because otherwise you would have just been terribly upset. (laughs) Like it's bad news. (laughs) Yeah, really bad. And, and I think that it, it, it can open a space for commentary, for talk, for, you know, for dialogue, for, um, it, it can sort of clear away the, maybe the anxiety we feel and then allow us to really think about like, okay, this is not good. And, you know, is there, can I take action for this? And, you know, so it does have that. It, it's not all just escape when, you know, even we need that part of it, but I think there at times it does serve a higher social and political function, you know? Mm-hmm. And again, that's another reason why there are many people that are scared of like political cartoons or, or, you know, or humor that feels, you know, very subversive. You know, I'm thinking of, um, earlier Dave Chappelle work, you know, where, I mean, he goes right for the jugular on race. Um, and that makes a lot of, lot of people uncomfortable, you know, but I think that that is at times that's the vehicle we need to, try and get perspective, maybe to try and get dialogue, or maybe to get us to the point of taking action, making meaningful change. So you can't um, diminish um, the potency of this like funny, ha ha. <laughs> oh, this is a funny little skit show. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's very subversive. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. I, I really like, I'm, I'm trying to even think about that, but yeah, it's, it's just so true. Like you really reflect on it and you spend the time thinking about it. And it's just so powerful in the face of like bad news and everything going on to have someone reconstruct that and give you like a completely different perspective to point out, like you were saying, the buffoonery of it all sometimes, you know, and it's just great. Like, yeah, it's phenomenal. I wanted to ask you, like, do you have any comedians that you're loving right now or that you would recommend to people who are kind of getting into it for the first time? Oh, or- gosh. Um, no, I mean, not like everyone is so, so different. Everyone, yes, is really yeah. great who's in every space and, you know, on, on sitcoms, on doing stand-up, um, um, I'm loving, um, Sasha Zamir on, um, home economics and she's done many things, but she's somebody who's just hitting me because she's also again, like sort of so understated and kind of, she has a great delivery and, um, she's fantastic. Um, I'm still hung up on Hannah Gadsby, you yeah. know, from a few years ago, but I mean, I know she's actively like doing, you know, projects and things, but I still think about her um, special like all the time and right. everything that she's doing. Um, yeah, no, I mean, just, just like whoever you're, you're feeling is like so entertaining and interesting and that you just, you're just loving on, you find out more about them and, you know, support whatever it is that they're doing. And, um, you know, I would say like, check all all local things like check out if you have local comedy happening in your town or city um try and support that if you're you know if you if you're feeling interested because that is where support is really really needed um you know so 
yeah, I hate to be lame and just be like, everyone is great, but everyone is really great. (laughs) (laughs) If it's true, it's true. That's fine. Thank you so much, Sheila. I I wanted to just ask, like, if if there's anywhere people can go to find your book or, like, follow you to keep up, because I I can't wait to see if you do something else, but I'm still going to be rereading this in, like, five years. I just know it. So sweet. Thank you again. I appreciate it. Um, No, this has been a wonderful conversation. Again, I cannot thank you both enough for having me. Um, I'm on uh, all the socials. <laughs> um, I'm on Instagram. Um, I share a lot of my photography there. I, I have a sort of side thing going on with that. Um, and, and Facebook and everything and my website, uh, or my blog site. Um, you know, so, and that has links to the book. Um, you can get pretty, you should be able to order it anywhere that your favorite book people are getting books for you. <laughs> so definitely support them when you can and everything. So, um, and I am working on, um, developing a few different things. Um, irons in the fire right now, one maybe is, is a sort of humor based is sort of a, not parody, but kind of a, a humor gift booky kind of thing. We'll see. Um, and in the process of maybe doing something with my photography. So that's all very, again, like in the stew. So nothing, (laughs) nothing yet, but I I hope, I hope to have some more book news in the coming year would be wonderful. Um, Yeah. So I'm actively, I am actively, you know, working and writing and stuff and developing things. So. I will say your photography is so beautiful. It actually makes me appreciate winter when I see (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that makes both of us is, is a little bit of that, like, fake it till you make it ish. Right, right now, I do love New England and all seasons, and um, winter is amazing. And then sometimes she wears out her welcome just a little bit. Um, but, um, but no, there, I have say, I have, I have sort of warmed up to winter a lot in my, in the last few years and everything. So, um, so there is a lot to enjoy about it, but I will be very happy to see blooms and the ice melt and stuff as well so (laughs) I appreciate that (laughs) well thank you so much again Sheila this is great thank you yeah thank you so much for joining us it was a really great talk thank you too both of you I'm so appreciative and grateful and I've loved our conversation so thank you